0: You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Everybody, good evening, and welcome to Review and Preview. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside a very special co-host here tonight, the founder of Review and Preview, Johnny Montalbano from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Johnny, thank you so much for joining me tonight. How are you doing?
1: Hey, Tom, I'm doing great. It's uh, always great to come back home to my original show that I started uh, coming up on 11 years this September, which is just crazy to think about. And you know, you and I had spoke before. It's crazy that in all the years of this show, you and I have never done a show together as a as a as a team. And this it's always it's always great to be on with you, and uh, looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, this is the first time ever. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you and I have to... been on with other
1: people before, but just yes. you and I together. It's is but always the first time for everything, and uh, it's great to be on on a, another crazy day.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely insane. Crazy day. We're gonna get to. The breaking news in just a moment. Hank and Dick there with a comment saying, "How's it going?" Uh, hey Hank, know
1: I know Hank's saw uh, happy because the Rangers' schedule just got released, so I, I can hear him in the background jumping for joy on that. He's ready for <laughs> October to come.
0: Absolutely, a oh, great run one. by the Rangers this year for sure. Uh, GR, folks, yep. if you want to comment tonight in the comment section or subscribe to our show, if you like what you hear, make sure to go check us out on all of our social media platforms: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. YouTube, we're on TikTok now as well. Um, we'll leave this scrolling up uh, for just a moment. And a uh, little note, tonight is our final episode until August. Going to take a little hiatus, change some things up, and we'll come back fresher than ever in um, hindsight of the NFL season being just around the corner. But, Johnny, the breaking news today, Baker Mayfield gets traded from the Cleveland Browns to the Carolina Panthers for a 2024 conditional draft pick. You being a Carolina guy now in yourself, what's the vibe like down there? And what was your initial reaction when you saw this trade?
1: So just checking social media from my friends that uh, live down here in in South Carolina, uh, it's been kind of mixed. But I will say, as just a guy following them down here, I I think this is a move that Carolina – has been planning on. And I think this is a move they needed to make because just following their games, living down here this past season, they had the worst quarterback situation of any team in football. You know, we started with Sam Darnold and you know, then he gets hurt and you're break, and you're going to PJ Walker. It gets to be so bad that they bring back Cam Newton during the season. And Carolina had one of the worst teams in football this year. And all started with that quarterback situation, you know, making the move for Darnold, And, you know, I had said a couple, I had said on my show that I do that Carolina with the worst quarterback situation in football, I think this was the guy for them to get given what's going on there in Cleveland, you know, with Baker being unhappy, maybe needing a fresh start and probably the one team where Baker wanted to play football in 2022, this was going to be the team. So I think from a Carolina perspective, I think this was a very good move to make because, you know what, it gives them now a quarterback that can play. Now, is Baker, now one of the things we'll talk about, I'm sure, is is Baker even going to start? Because, you know, there's been rumblings now down here that he's going to compete with Sam Darnold for the quarterback spot and, you know, Matt Corral, who they drafted. But I think from a Carolina perspective, I think this is a good move and because, you know what, they didn't give up much. I mean, they only gave up a conditional fifth-round pick that may be a fourth-rounder. They have Cleveland paying half the, of his salary, and he's going to be making, what, $5 million with Carolina? this upcoming season just and, under five mil yep yeah so by accident carolina's quarterback situation gets better maybe baker now in a new setting with maybe him being totally healthy coming off that uh torn laborman his non-throwing shoulder last year maybe him being healthy and getting a fresh start this could be the, this could be a good move for carolina and given how the whole nfc is going into this season i think now it's not crazy to think that carolina can definitely be up there for a wild card spot in 2022. So for a bunch of different reasons, I like this move a lot for Carolina.
0: I like the move for Carolina. I don't like the move for Cleveland. Um, I think it was a big mistake paying Deshaun Watson that fully guaranteed contract before you knew the extents of, you know, his situation, but Baker Mayfield heading to Carolina is something that I did see coming. Uh, You know, considering the Browns haven't had a quarterback better than him since the turn of the century it is quite embarrassing, but Baker led this team to a playoff victory just a year or two ago now. And they took the chiefs to the limit in that playoff game. And, you know, quite frankly, Baker Mayfield, I don't think was the problem in Cleveland. I feel like they're using him as a scapegoat a little bit. Um, I do think he was Uh, In a good offensive system behind a good offensive line, a great ground attack. But now that he heads to Carolina, not only is he in Carolina with Sam Darnold, he's in Carolina with the man who was picked just two picks after him in the 2018 NFL draft. I mean, that must be a very interesting locker room right now. Johnny, do you think Sam Darnold has potential to be moved here before the season starts, even though reports are saying he's not? Because this quarterback room, if anything, got a little bit more confusing with who's starting week one.
1: Yeah, Tom, I don't see Sam Darnold being moved simply for the fact. Well, as of right now, I don't see him being moved because I don't know what team is now in that bad of a quarterback situation to get a Sam, to get Sam Darnold, who was awful last year. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. I mean, it, the, the Baker Mayfield, really, for as good as he was, um, <laughs> uh, for for his uh, for his for Baker Mayfield's perspective, if you think about it, to me there were only two teams that really were that desperate of a quarterback situation for to get Mayfield, and that was Carolina and Seattle. And I think Baker's comments, you know, his actions and his comments on that "you never know" podcast in the during the offseason really made me think that he was not even going to be playing football this upcoming season. It was going to be that bad, and it took you know, his value being totally down for Carolina to get him. And good for them to only give up, you know, that, like I said, that fifth-round pick and now only paying $5 million for the season. The only way I could see Sam Darnold being possibly moved here, Tom, is if you look at some of these other teams and their top quarterback Mm -hmm. goes down to injury, which we've seen could certainly be possible. But even the Seattle Seahawks would not even make that move. I mean, they signed uh, Smith. They, They signed Geno Smith this off season. Yes. Gino Smith before Baker Mayfield. I think that just goes to show you. So as much as little value as Baker has, I think there's even less right now for somebody like Sam Darnold.
0: It'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Sean Militello. What's up, Sean from off Sean. the dome s- says, I think he should have took the James Winston route. By the way, Sean is a saints fan sit behind a veteran like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, or Matt Ryan. Um, I think Baker is a starting quarterback in the NFL for sure. I don't think he's a top tier quarterback, but I think he's an average starting quarterback in the NFL. I don't think he was the problem in Cleveland. I think Cleveland wanted to upgrade at the QB position. Um, there was a lot of, uh, stuff going on there behind closed doors. And we have an opinion from Dominic Danielli as well. Shout out Dom Browns did Baker dirty. First successful QB since Kozar, and you treat him like that.
1: Yeah. And the funny thing about all this is Baker might get the last laugh here because right now with us us waiting to find out what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson, and Baker right now is in a better situation than the Browns are. And, Tom, you had alluded to that because right now the way things are looking, I mean, we're assuming that Deshaun's going to get a very lengthy suspension, and that's going to leave them with Jacoby Brissett. At starting quarterback, so we as we sit here in early July, right now the way things are trending, the Carolina Panthers right now a bet, are in a better position than the Cleveland Browns are.
0: I'd agree with that. I think Brissett will be starting Week One and potentially the whole season for the Browns, and I think Baker will be starting Week One for Carolina. Ultimately, so I think you're right. Baker will get the less left, but this is why they play the games. We have to wait yep. and see, and now Week One just got a lot more interesting because the Browns are at Carolina. They're playing the Panthers. So Baker against his old team week one. um, That's too
1: early to flex.
0: I don't know, but that's super (laughs) telling right there. Uh, Hank says, bring back that department store Browns Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) Sean says, I think Sam has a good chance of being cut before the season. Alludes to our next point. They drafted Matt Corral in the third round. This is a guy who has starter potential in the NFL. Yes, he's never taken a snap, but that kind of transitions into my next point, Johnny. Is Baker a bridge quarterback for the Panthers? Now, granted, he's going to be playing on his fifth year option. This is obviously a prove-it year for him in Carolina. and I I do think Matt Rule's neck is on the line as the Panthers head coach. Or is Baker the long-term answer? In Carolina what do you think
1: I that that I don't know and I don't think they know that because you just alluded to Matt rule and that's something I was going to get to as well this was a move I think also that Matt rule needed more as well because I mean his, like you talked about his um coaching his jobs on the line going into this season the way the Carolinas played in their in their quarterback situation and, and Carolina instead of taking you know the whole rebuilding route at the QB up until this year uh, decided to you know try and piecemeal some things together whether with, whether it was with Darnold or now getting Mayfield, I think right now Baker could be a short term answer, but let's say he gets them, they he gets Carolina nine ten wins this year, you almost have to think about him also being a long term guy. I know Matt Corral was a guy that was being talked about a lot. I mean, he was the guy that um, he's the old Miss guy that got hurt in the in the uh, the, bowl in
0: the bowl game, bowl
1: game, and. You know, before that, he was actually talked about being possibly one of the top QBs in the draft before that injury. So, I don't know right now as we sit here, and I don't think they know. I think they brought think- him in. Like I said, I think they brought him in because his value was so it was at his lowest point ever, and the the Panthers' quarterback situation was so bad last season that they needed they needed to make this move because right. you know it really was the the perfect fit for Baker Mayfield.
0: And Darnold's been a turnover machine since entering the NFL. Now, granted, he's been set, he was set up to fail by the Jets, but you know the Jets were willing to part ways with him in three years. And as bad as we have it with Giants fans, Daniel Jones has done enough to play on the final year of his rookie deal without any type of trade consideration. Right? Um, that 2018 quarterback draft class has turned out to be a real flunk outside of Josh Allen and. Lamar Jackson you know three out of those five have not been playing up to par and Baker I say that because he was the number one overall pick in the draft I think you got three starters out of of those five long term but we'll see in another comment from Sean he says it's all up to Baker he's in control of his own destiny he's got some weapons around him in Carolina there really shouldn't be any excuse and Johnny you pair him with Christian McCaffrey Robbie Anderson, we know Anderson was a little bit vocal originally, and now he came back saying, you know, don't try to paint the false narrative or something like that. DJ Moore is still there. I'm trying to think who their tight end is, if they drafted one or not. I know they had Tommy Tremble and Ian Thomas last year.
1: I think you're, you're saying a good point, though. carolina has got some some weapons, and yeah. that's why – it was amazing how poor they were last year, and it speaks to how bad the quarterback situation was. The other thing, too, I think for Baker that he actually that he's in favor of is this is outside of. You know, I mean, we know Tampa Bay is going to be really is going to be good again, yeah. but outside of that, I mean, you that whole NFC in general, just at that side of the division, you look at the NFC in general. You got Tampa, you got Green Bay, uh, you got the Rams, but other than that, I mean, I, I think it's not crazy to say that the rest of the NFC is a crapshoot. Uh, it, it's it's actually really that bad. So he's in a situation that I think if, if everybody stays healthy, if McCaffrey can return to the McCaffrey of years past, it's not crazy to think that Carolina could go eight, nine wins and make a wild card spot. So Baker actually puts himself in a pretty favorable position here because that division, I'm not sure what the Saints are. The Falcons to me are are totally rebuilding. I mean, it's not even a reach to say that they might be the worst team of football. I know Noah Dival is going to kill me for saying that, but uh, I think it's, I think it's going to be that bad there. So he's actually put himself into a a decent situation with the Panthers that they could rebound to a seven or eight wing team. And remember, like you said, Matt rule, I mean, his job's on the line this year. If Carolina doesn't, you know, rebound and get maybe six wins or so there he's going to be fired.
0: I agree a hundred percent. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Baker Mayfield and the Carolina Panthers. A lot of what ifs this season heading into 2022 with Johnny, we're going to move on to NBA free agency. And our guest is going to be joining us in just a moment, but while we're waiting, let's get to the winners and losers of free agency. Uh, we'll start with the losers so far. I think, I mean, I know the Mavs didn't replace Jalen Brunson and the Jazz. It seems like they might be starting to blow it up, Um, you know, with Rudy Gobert gone and Royce O'Neal. But the Brooklyn Nets, they might be losing not one, not two, but three stars on their team within a four-month span. Um. This is something that is very concerning for a team in a large market like New York. Uh, They got TJ Warren on a one-year deal who is a front court player. They re-signed Nick Claxton and Patty Mills to two-year deals respectively. But, I mean, what are you thinking about these Brooklyn Nets? Because right now I don't think it's looking too hot.
1: I think it is a total mess right there in Brooklyn. And that's sometimes the risk, though, that you take when you bring in big stars that have big egos and big attitudes. And I have never been a big fan of Kyrie Irving. When there have been talks about the Knicks possibly being rumored to be in the Kyrie Irving sweepstakes back years ago, I've said keep him as far away from MSG as possible. If he wants to go to the Nets, let him go. Because to me, the Nets are not the Knicks' biggest rival. But Kyrie has had so many things go on with him since he's been a net, whether it's been the vaccine situation, whether it's been the bubble, whether it's been missing time, whether it's due to mental illness, you know, Kevin Durant, who they gave all that money to when they knew that the first year he was going to miss because of the Achilles injury. And then he he comes back and when he's been on the court, he's played great. I mean, I, I would say that Kevin Durant's been more important to the nets than Kyrie has been, but you know, he's getting up there in age two. He's had injury problems and he's, you know, had ego things too. And really for the last three years, Tom, it's not even just this, it's all the value that all the trade capital and all the valuable role players they gave up to give up to get James Harden only to trade him 13 months later for a player that hasn't played a game. And we don't know what, you know, Ben Simmons is going to be the valuable role players that they lose and you've seen in the nba now not only is it just the star players but it's the valuable role players too we just saw that with the golden state warriors when they won the championship not only was it curry thompson it was and not only was it curry thompson and draymond green it was you know the jordan pools of the world it was the andrew wiggins so those players are important too so i think if you're the nets i i think you have to look at starting over here and the longer that this drags out i don't think you're going to be able to get rid of those guys
0: We'll have to see what happens. We're going to make predictions on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, where they might end up in just a moment. But at this time, we're going to bring up our guest for the evening from Down the Block Sports. He is the host, Alec Walt. Walt, how are you doing tonight? Welcome to the show. Uh, Appreciate you taking the time.
2: Yeah, I'm doing well. I just got off of work, so great timing on your guys' end. So, uh, you know, NBA free agency, trades is always absolutely nuts, so I'm happy to be here and talk some basketball.
0: And I know yeah, you're Boston. It's kind of
1: first time for me. It's uh, good to talk to you. Yeah, good to talk to you too, man.
0: Now, Alec, your Boston Celtics. We'll talk about them in just a few moments. Um, you know, still a little bit salty about that uh, playoff round that we had against each other. But uh, Sean Militello with a quick comment saying it's freaking walls. <laughs>
2: what happened, uh, <laughs> bro?
0: <laughs> Kevin Durant, right? one of the biggest names in the NBA who quite frankly has been the only guy out of those three stars, you know, Kyrie Irving and James Harden, that has been available consistently for Brooklyn. Alec, where do you think Durant will end up? Do you think he's going to stay in, in Brooklyn? I mean, I'll throw you right into the fire here. Or do you think he's headed to a team like a Miami or a Phoenix potentially?
2: I, don't believe Kevin Durant staying with the Nets because when you look at the situation there in Brooklyn, it's extremely unpredictable. What are you getting out of Kyrie Irving? Is Ben Simmons going to play? You know, yes, if you're Brooklyn, you would love to build your franchise around Kevin Durant. But when you look at some of your assets, like, yes, Kyrie Irving's a great basketball player, but we're starting to see some tension here. And then if you want to move Ben Simmons, what are you going to get for him? Because he hasn't played and you don't exactly know if or when he's even going to play. So when you look at the moves the Nets have made, you know, they traded away a first round pick, which tells me they want to uh, somewhat stay competitive in a very good Eastern Conference. They also signed T.J. Warren when they got rid of that first round pick. It was to get Royce O'Neal to help a terrible defense. But guys, look at the moves that they're making. You know, they can't make money moves right now until a Durant is moved or a Kyrie Irving is on a different team. Right now they're adding wings, which tells me they're potentially preparing for a wing leaving the roster. Why would they trade for, or why would they trade for Royce O'Neal and then sign TJ Warren and then get rid of Kyrie? Now, obviously what you get in return is going to be huge. And when you look at the heat, I mean, Tyler Harrow, Bam Adebayo, perfect fits for the team right now because you've signed a defensive wing. You've. Or you traded for a defensive wing, signed a potential scoring wing, or at least he was before he was injured. You have Kyrie and Duncan Robinson in the backcourt potentially, uh, Ben Simmons, and then maybe someone like a Bam out of Bio. That makes a ton of sense, at least when you're building the roster. So I don't. I think they can get the most in for Kevin Durant. I think they should trade KD, especially if he requested a trade. We all know what happens in the NBA when you request one. More likely than not, it happens. So I think they're fully preparing to move on from KD, and I think they're going to get a huge return. And you mentioned Miami before. There's not a team in the league that can provide a better package than them right now. They have Tyler Harrow, a young guard who's still cheap, and Bam Adebayo, who's young and has the salary cap to help kind of move the deal because you can't have those three contracts and then add a Durant on the books of course Kyle Lowry's making like 30 plus million or so so I think all the lines are everything's lining up for that move to happen um and there's not a team in my opinion in the NBA unless someone wants to move on someone that Durant would potentially be teaming up with which isn't going to happen why would you trade for Kevin Durant why, like why would you trade for KD if you're moving like Lillard or something like that I mean he's not going to Portland that's just an example but I think everything lines up. You have the stars, you have the assets, the money matches make the deal happen.
0: What do you think, Johnny?
2: Yeah, I was going to say, so if you
1: look at, I know we're going to we talk about everybody, but Rudy Gobert was somebody who got dealt for all those picks. And Durant, we've heard the word historic when it talks about, when you talk about the package that he's going to get. So you're talking, what, like three, maybe four first round picks? But how Durant?
2: valuable are those picks knowing that they're going to likely
1: win the East? Well, that's the other thing too. So it's not going to be like you know the James when they when they acquired James Harden and gave up all those picks. They're not going to be able to equal that. So, I mean, what do you what are you really thinking about if you're going to get the max value from in that regard?
2: Yeah, I mean, I just don't see a team that because if you're adding Durant, it's not like you're getting picks from the Pistons. Mm-hmm. Like you're getting a player that's going to make it to the playoffs. You're adding someone that's going to win. Potentially 50, 60 games in the regular season. You know, when I'm looking at trading a Durant, I want players. Yeah. Tyler Harrow is an all-star. Well, I don't know if he made the all-star team, but he's an all-star caliber player. Mm-hmm. Same with Bam Adebayo. I want guys that I could build my franchise around. Picks, I could care less about picks on I'm trading Kevin Durant. Because no matter what, you're not getting, you're not going to the lottery. Kevin Durant can play for the Magic and they'd still make the playoffs. Yeah. So if I'm if I'm looking for players, and I don't, there's not many teams that can give you the star players while having a star player still on the team, and Miami is one of those teams.
1: Yeah, I would say real quick. So the longer, the longer this goes, do, how do you think that affects the Durant thing? If this drags out longer and longer,
2: it's just worse for the Nets because they can't make any side moves. Like if they want to go into free agency right now and sign a couple bench players. They're signing it still not knowing what star they're trading and still not knowing, you know, okay, let's say we sign three forwards and the best thing we can get for Durant is a forward. You know, you have to build your roster based on what you're getting in return. And if you continue to wait and more and more free agents sign with other teams and then you're left to fill those roster spots, yes, you could potentially use one of the multiple draft picks you could get in return to fill a spot on the bench or whatnot. And there's going to be some creativity based on what you get in return. But if they wait, there's less for them to sign in free agency. And right now they're not convincing any free agent to sign with the Nets like they did last year because what was the appeal for the Nets when you were a free agent and you wanted to sign somewhere to win for cheap? They had the stars to win. Right. Now you're trying to convince a free agent to sign there. They don't know which, version, which star is staying. You know, you want to be a forward and then they keep Kevin Durant. You want to be a guard, then they keep Kyrie Irving. You can't give someone an exact role, which is basically telling you, like, I don't know what this team is going to be in 2022.
0: And the elephant in the room is Joe Harris. He seems like a guy who just can't get out of Brooklyn. He's stuck there and he's still there. But uh, the next star power we're going to talk about briefly here is Kyrie Irving. I think out of the two, if one of them is staying, it's more likely him than uh, Kevin Durant. But do we think he's getting moved? And if so, to where? I'm under the assumption right now that Kyrie Irving will not be getting moved. But that's that's my opinion. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, I don't think it's a good idea going into next year um, with losing both of them. Um, I mean, your return could be insane. Um, And obviously, if someone's willing to break the bank for either of them, it looks like the Durant one could be insane. Um, But I just I don't see any reason to move him right now. Um, He again, he's very unpredictable. I don't exactly know what his trade value is. Um, I know he's opted in. Is he a free agent next year
1: yeah, he's a free agent after this upcoming season, yes. Yeah,
2: so obviously you look at that situation. Actually, now that I think about it, if, he, if he's going to leave and you can get KD for four more years, I mean, the the, the, the problem here is that KD requested the trade. Mm-hmm. That's what screws with everything, everything up. They might be forced to trade him at the halfway point, but I don't think they go into the season without him on the team.
1: Yeah, that's very fair. I've never been a big Kyrie fan for multiple reasons. And, you know, they've been talked about him going to the Knicks and, you know, Alec, I'm a Knicks fan. I don't want anything near to do with him. But him. I already dealt
2: with him. Sucks. Yeah,
1: no, (laughs) I know that in your on your end. But the other angle to all this, too, is, you know, there's been talk about them wanting to leave, either stay in Brooklyn together or leave Brooklyn together. So what what is that all
2: about? I don't think there's a team smart? that has the flexibility to add both of those contracts, nor the assets to do something unless one of them hits free agency and chooses to sign with that team the other one goes to. Um, I think it's either they stay in Brooklyn and their teammates or they leave Brooklyn and we don't see them together for a while. If, if maybe they show up together again down the road, who knows, but for what's happening right now and the way the league is set up and the way they're getting paid, it's either one or the other. It just doesn't sound like Katie's happy. Um, obviously, Katie wants to win. He got swept in the first round. Um, they traded one of the best players for a player that had no contribution to the team. Um, obviously, you know, Seth and Andre weren't terrible, but Andre Drummond wasn't a difference maker in that playoff series. He barely played. I forgot he was on the team. Um, so... At this rate, you're in a pretty poor position for Brooklyn. For Brooklyn, If you're going to lose Kyrie, you might as well maximize what you can get for KD because if he's there for a year and then leaves, KD's just going to ask for it again. Yeah. And that's a year less of control you have on that contract. Plus, if you want Tyler Harrow, you got to get him now. Um, yeah. So the timing just makes a lot of sense, and then they can figure out the Kyrie situation after.
0: Absolutely. That's a great way to put it. And I, I think that all would make sense. And a couple comments here from Garth. What is up, my guys? Garth, Michael, Patrick from the Sports Box, co host of The Sweet Tea Show with Noah DiBler. Make sure to go check them out Friday nights at 9 p.m. If you want to start your weekend off early, that's a great way to start it. I heard KD will be signing with the Colorado Avalanche this offseason, <laughs> looking to double dip on rings. <laughs> Garth is an avid hockey fan. Uh poor Garth. Uh huge Tampa Bay Lightning guy. So I feel for you. But not but not too much. You ousted us out in the conference finals. So
1: three three uh, straight times in the Stanley Cup final. I think that's great.
0: Hank with a comment. How's it going, Walt? Looking forward to a big series this weekend.
2: Yeah, it should be oh, Red Sox Yankees is always fun. Uh thank God the Red Sox aren't as bad as I thought they were going to be after the first month of the season. So <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it, it'll, it'll be a great series. It's always fun when those two match up.
0: Thank you very much, Hank, for the comment. With This is NBA Free Agency Talk with Alec Walt. Next up, we're going to talk about the Knicks. This is two of three teams we're going to talk about in that Atlantic division, specifically the New York Knicks bring in Jalen Brunson on a four-year, what was it, $110 million deal. And, Johnny, as the Knicks fan, I'll start with you here. You're under the assumption this deal was in the works well before it actually happens. There there might have been some tampering going on.
1: Well, there's been obviously a lot of reports about it. And, you know, they, they were they were talks about him. If you remember, there were Nick Sprass that went down to uh, the, to Dallas and were sitting in on the, on one of the Mavericks Jazz first round playoff games. So, and I know this has been a name that the Knicks have been talking about for a while. Look, there's, if there's one thing the Knicks have been lacking in the 21st century, it's been a solid point guard. Now, Jalen Brunson, to me, is not a, not a top five or a top ten point guard. But he is probably the best point guard the Knicks have had since probably when they acquired Stefan Marbury in that first year. And then we all know what happened after that. But Alec, to me... This is a good start for the Knicks because the one thing that people have to realize too, and I'm saying this as a huge Knicks fan, the Knicks are still rebuilding here. You know, they're not going to put all their their chips in the middle for a big time player. I mean, if you want to maybe find a way to trade Julius Randle, which I don't think you're going to be able to do because he's got no value and that big contract's just kicking in, you know, if you want to go all in, maybe you're talking about that. But I like what they've done here, you know, locking up. Mitchell Robinson for four years and 60 million, you know, these young players that they've have, you know, with Barrett, who I think can, if he takes the next step, is going to be a superstar in this league. You know, they've got Quigley. They've got all these other guys. They even had Jericho Sims, who you saw late in the season. So to me, I like this Jalen Brunson move because it gives them a solid, point, a solid top 10, top 15 point guard.
2: Yeah. I mean, they needed someone who could just br- like glue the team together. I mean, they have the young talent. They have a couple veterans. Like, I, I like some of the pieces the Knicks have. Um, I just never loved them at the starting one position. And I, I – I, who was it? Burks? Rose, Alec Burks. Yeah, Kemba. Burks. Kemba um, yeah, the Kemba thing yeah, just I never mean, worked out. I mean, I like Emmanuel Qu- uh, quickly. You know, Reddish is solid. I don't mean – I don't love the coach you guys have. I mean, I think Thibodeau is a very good coach, but I feel like you guys want to go young – and he's not the best coach for young players. So, well, that'd be interesting to see how this team bounces back after not making the playoffs last year. But Jalen Brunson is a dog. And I mean, this dude shows up and plays on a nightly base. Now, yes, he did have a Luka Doncic next to him and a Spencer Didwinny coming off the bench and some other guys like that who were very productive in the backcourt with him on the Dallas Mavericks. But, you know, he shows up on a nightly basis. He you know, he plays good defense. He makes smart plays. He can score in the clutch. He checks off a lot of boxes for the Knicks. Now, obviously making over a hundred million dollars, that did seem like a lot over a four year period. They did sign his father as an assistant coach, which I mean, I guess is, you know, your way of talking it to the player without actually speaking to him personally, because you have someone who connects with him where you're, you're expected to regularly, but you know, I I think it's a good move. I think the Knicks are a very good team. Um, the only way is up after what happened last year. So I mean, you look at the starting lineup: Brunson, what is it? Uh, Barrett. Barrett. Thank you. Yeah. Reddish. Randall. Randall. Mitch. And Mitch. It's pretty good. It's much much better defensively, especially if Reddish can actually play because I know he got injured like in a second game back. But
1: yeah,
2: they'll be good. You know, is it they just. The, the the Knicks just – I need to see it to believe it because the division's hard and they were awful last
1: year. Well, see, that's – I was just going to say that. See, in the years past when the Knicks were bad, the entire Eastern Conference was bad. And if you look at what has happened in the NBA now, the, the conferences have switched. The Eastern Conference has actually now gotten a lot more competitive. And the West, really, you're talking about maybe two or three teams. So that's something that I think would concern me a little bit. But I think the Knicks, if you look at it right now, are about a 500-team – going into next season and that might get them into like the seventh or eighth spot in the, in the playoffs, maybe that play in tournament. But you know what? Like I said, this is still a rebuild. The problem, the thing is this rebuild needed to start years ago they were so late to starting this, but you know what? It's about time. And I think they're actually are trending in the right direction here.
2: Yeah. I mean, when you look at the depth in the East, I mean, Toronto is always better than you think they are. Um, You know, Atlanta just added Murray. Cleveland was a surprise and then kind of crashed at the end. Charlotte, they didn't have a plan B for no bridges. I know it's kind of a side story to this. Um, The Wizards, you know, I I guess Beal is going to be someone who stays on one team their whole career. The Pacers, I think, will be better, especially with a full season of Halliburton. Detroit's a good young team, you know, or I, I wouldn't say good, you know, they're, developing in the right direction and we'll see how good Palo is with the magic. There, there are some teams that can make things interesting in the East this year. Um, For sure. And I think the Knicks are really not that much better than some of the other teams that are going to be finishing anywhere between seven and 12.
0: Yeah. Um, and then another note too, in addition to the Brunson signing, which by the way, love the player. I, I don't like the contract. That's where I stand with I gave him a ton. Yeah. They, tend to buy and not build, which seems to be a problem, Johnny. But Yeah,
1: that is true, but I think you had to do that. If you were going to get a Brunson in here, you had to pay that kind of money. You had to do it. Dallas would have given him the – was talking about four and 104 to 110 themselves.
0: Right. But speaking of not being able to efficiently build, this here, Mitch Robinson, the first Knicks player to earn a second contract with the team in 28 years, I mean, that's something that – it just tells you how dysfunctional the Knicks organization has been in our lifetime, Johnny. Uh, they have not been good. Uh, when they have been, it's been in small bursts. I like what they did with not just re-signing Mitch, but adding Hartenstein to the back to, to the front to the front court as well. And I think what's interesting about this offense—we don't know what's going to happen with Randall. You have three lefties in the offense with Brunson, Barrett, and Randall.
1: Yeah. No, that's, that's definitely it. And, you know, it's still, it's, they're still lacking a big star. That's, that's yeah. the thing here too. I mean, it, this team, I mean, they'll be fun to watch, but you know, you need talent to win in the NBA. I and mean, yeah. that's, that's what it comes down to. So they'll, you know, they'll frustrate you, but they'll give you some good moments too. But I wasn't like a lot of people this, this uh, off season regarding them because you know what, they, this is a process, and it's had a start years ago, and they're finally, I think, trending in the right direction. I got one more quick question for Alec here before we move on from this. Alec, the talks now about the about tampering with the Knicks and Brunson here. Uh, I I said it. I did a sports minute on one of my shows about the, this morning. I think it's absolutely ridiculous because I think this is more of a case of the Mavericks being upset that they weren't able to re-sign their own player than than tampering. I I mean, if if this is tampering to me, then this is what everybody in the NBA does. So the reports about the tampering, what are your thoughts about it? Is it it a reach or does it have some merit?
2: I mean, we've been talking about Jalen Brunson to the Knicks since before the playoffs even started. I mean, there was something going on between this. And then the playoff performance – Going to the game, signing his father, and then signing him a minute after the free agency clock started. I mean, he was the first guy, in, I think, or amongst the first group of guys to sign a contract. I mean, I'm, I don't, the NBA probably has the worst tampering between any professional sport. Um, everything is pointing to... Something happening, at least in my opinion. I don't think the NBA is going to do anything about it. And if you do get penalized, it's going to be $10,000 and a second-round draft pick in 2054. So it doesn't really matter. You got your guy. Should have done better, Dallas. You want him to pay more. Exactly. That's how sports work. That's exactly what I'm saying.
0: But yeah. I do
2: think there was some talks.
0: Oh, but, no, definitely.
2: You know, you sign his father, and then you tell his father, and then – his father and his son have a conversation. Can't penalize them for talking. No, you know, I'm, I'm Not just at calling all. my son. I'm just checking in, make sure he's okay before free agency.
1: <laughs> you know what, Dallas? <laughs> and, and the one thing I'd say to the Mavericks too: you guys at least still have you guys have a superstar on your team. We're still we're we're still lacking one. Still, yeah. yeah. So, well, that's that. I'll leave it at that.
0: well let's get to your Boston Celtics next. Uh, Signing Malcolm Brogdon, or acquiring Malcolm Brogdon, excuse me, in a six-player trade. Signing forward Danilo Gallinari, providing some wing depth to a Celtics team that had a marvelous run to the NBA Finals. They did what they needed to do. Brad Stevens is a genius GM. I mean, they pretty much gave up guys who don't even play anyway for Brogdon. They signed Gallo. They brought both of these two players to the roster with keeping their core players intact.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Celtics are having a great offseason. I mean, you know, when you look at their starting lineup, Smart, Brown, Tatum, Horford, Williams, I mean, I love Marcus Smart, but he is not a floor-generating offensive point guard. I mean, he has improved his offensive game, but he's best when he's kind of that multi-purpose guard who dies for loose balls and defends pretty much anyone on the court that doesn't play the five position. I mean, they needed to get a guy who could run the offense in an offensive, you know, oriented situation. I mean, I like Derek White. I think he's better more off the ball than being a primary point guard. But Malcolm Brogdon's a guy who can score. He can facilitate. He's still solid defensively, but he has that upside to lead this offense in those situations. He's a really good fit. I mean, yes, we gave up another first round pick as Brad Stevens has gone now three years without using one, which I'm not really mad about because they're winning games. Um, but, you know, Neesmith didn't play last year, had little had moments of looking great. But, you know, outside of those 30 second stretches, you kind of forgot he was on the court if he was ever on it. Daniel Tice had no role in the playoffs on a team whose center could barely walk. Um, they who, who else did they even lose? Uh, Stalkis not did, didn't play unless it was a blowout. Uh, I think. Was it Thomas? Was he another guy included in the deal? He never Fitz, played.
0: It's and Morgan. Uh,
2: okay. I'm yeah. not upset about that at all. Indiana no. literally went for the cap dump in the draft pick. And, I mean, is Aaron Niesmith even going to play on the Pacers? I mean, they have uh, Halliburton, McConnell, Duarte, and Buddy Heald. So it's not like they even added a young player who's going to start day one. Or be a role player the second they get there. Maybe, maybe Tice is. I don't know. You know, I don't, like, I don't know what's going to happen with some other big men here in free agency. But they did nothing to add to build to the young core of this team outside of a future draft pick they can't even predict yet. So, uh, not a great move by Indiana. But we all know Brogdon's going to produce immediately for the Boston Celtics.
0: I know that, too. We had him for three years as a yeah. Bucks player. A
2: steal in the draft.
0: Yeah. I remember drafting him. I got so excited. I miss him, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Celtics because, and Johnny, I want your thoughts on Brogdon as well, Um, but he is just an outstanding defender. He's a volume shooter, and he's a floor general. He's a guy that can play either point guard or shooting guard.
1: Yeah, and I'll say this. If the Knicks, and not to bring it back to the Knicks, but – if they weren't gonna, if they weren't getting Brunson, that was actually a guy that was being talked about. Was Malcolm Brogdon, and that wouldn't have been a bad signing either. Now I don't know if I would have been able, wanted to give up a first round pick for him, but that's a guy that I think on the Knicks wouldn't have been a bad fit too. But uh, you know what? You know the Celtics kept their core players, and that's how you, you know to achieve success for multiple years is, you know, you build around your core players. And that's what I think Boston's doing here. And in an Eastern conference, which, you know, still has the Milwaukee bucks and has the Miami heat and has challenging teams underneath. You know, this, I think this is a good, this is, this is smart. What Boston's doing here.
0: I like it a lot. And absolutely Danilo Gallinari as well. Well, I think your bench went from paper thin and now instead of white Pritchard, and Grant Williams being six through eight, now they're eight through 10 on the roster, if you yeah. think about it. I mean, the depth is just incredible. I mean, you pretty much have two starting fives if you Yeah, if you think I mean, about
2: when, it. when I looked at the one area I wish the Celtics had, especially in that series against the Warriors, and I think these two moves have to do with the series against the Warriors because um, I think they needed an uptick offensively in the backcourt, specifically playmaking, didn't have it. Um, and they needed another shooter. Um, you know, you got to make a lot of threes if you want to win in the playoffs. The Celtics did in the first three series and didn't against the Warriors. I mean, Seth Curry went up for nine and the Warriors still won the game. Um, they needed another veteran on the wing. You know, Grant Williams plays a lot, but they needed another depth player on the wing. You know, I'm they're fine at guard. Um, obviously adding Grogdon's awesome uh, makes things even better, but they needed someone who can make an impact behind the three point line, defend a couple positions, even though he's not really a defensive guy, but, um, he adds another element to this offense and I'm not going to complain about it. They needed someone who can stretch the floor, make threes at a consistent basis for a while. And it looks like Gallo is going to be able to do that next year as a role player on the Celtics. So, you know, I'll take it. D- you know, you need help defensively. You have Grant coming off the bench. You need help offensively. You know, you have Brogdon, you have. Just so many different lineup choices you can choose from if you're M.A. Udoka. So I'm really liking the way the Celtics look right now, and they have a really deep team going into 2022.
1: Depth is a big thing, and I think that was something that you saw towards the end there with the Celtics is the you know, it looked like Tatum was starting to get tired. He was playing all those minutes, smart as well. And, you know, when you look at the Warriors and how deep they were, out, even outside of those big three they had, you know, you had Wiggins and you had Poole. And the Celtics just didn't have that other person that could step up if uh, Tatum or Smart had an off night. And that's sometimes what it comes down to is not only is it your star players, but it's also your depth as well. And I I think when you look at these two pieces, I was going to say that they're definitely depth pieces. And I think it's it's a great move for the Celtics. I don't think it can be underestimated.
0: Johnny, I think you'd know a lot about Gallinari being that he played for the Knicks for a few years. So that
1: was like an eternity ago. I forget. Yeah, it's been a long, long time. Yeah, since wasn't Gallinari's
2: he in the mellow name. trade?
0: Yes. With, he got yes. traded Wilson,
2: Chandler, and like a million draft picks in the Nuggets. It was like four players, and Gallinari was the big one, and the other Raymond three Felton. I don't think even heard of again.
0: Raymond Felton was in that as well. I yeah, think. it was
1: Felton, and there were a couple of picks in there.
0: Yeah. Um, but that's crazy, just thinking about it. And by the way, of course, Celtics love their former Knicks players. They re-signed Luke Cornett to a oh, two-year deal. Oh, Luke Cornett,
1: yes, <laughs> the infamous Luke Cornett.
0: Um, yep, they brought back Luke Cornett, and then Sam Hauser as well. Um, I guess to be back of the bench bodies, which you know is always good to have if guys go down. But I really like what the Celtics did this off-season, and then of course my Milwaukee Bucks re-signing Bobby Portis, giving him the bag, and surprisingly, adding Joe Ingles. Uh, quite frankly, a guy who is probably not going to play until the All-Star break because he tore his ACL in January, and for a guy his age, he's 34, I believe. You know, He's a guy that's not going to, I think, recover in less than a, a year. But what Ingles does, he's... Already the best passer on the team when healthy, and that's over Drew Holiday as well. And he's a good front court piece. The Bucks have lacked front court depth. You got Brooke Lopez, Giannis, and Bobby Portis. Now you add Joe Engels to the fray. I mean, that's something that I think is going to work very well with this roster. And then, you know, you bring back Wesley Matthews, you bring back Javon Carter, you still have George Hill. Phanasis is back. I mean, you could close your eyes and know that is going to happen, right? They keep bringing them back on one-year deals every, every year. But Joe Ingles and Bobby Portis, I think, are going to be very important to this Bucks team. If we want to uh, beat a team like the Celtics in a seven-game series without Chris Middleton, we have to be much more uh, deep as far as our rotation goes. Like, we can't go past Bobby Portis and Pat Connaughton saying, I'm sorry, this is all we've got. You know, uh, it's just not acceptable. You have pieces that could potentially be traded uh, for somebody at the deadline. In George Hill and Grayson Allen, two contracts that are tradable. I'd prefer to keep Allen in the starting lineup, being that Wesley Matthews is 36 years old now. But you're looking at this Bucks team. You got Holiday, Allen, Giannis, Middleton, Splash Mountain, Bobby Pat, Joe Ingles. That's a great team, and. We also drafted that Marjan Beauchamp guy who's pretty good too. So I'm excited with what John Horst did. He must have had a summer vacation or something because he made his moves the first day and left. (laughs) Like that's literally all he did. But um, you know what? I'm going to say it right now. I'd be shocked if the Celtics and uh, Bucks don't meet in the Eastern Conference finals this year.
2: That'll depend. You got to make sure Katie doesn't go to the Heat.
0: Yeah. Well, that's.
2: But no, I mean, they absolutely should. I mean, they were the two best teams in the East, in my opinion, and that they just played around too early. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate. I mean, but like, you know, you just read right off the list there. I mean, you guys have depth. You guys have rotations. You guys have matchups. Um, you can play big. You can play small. You can play multiple guard. You can play too big. You can uh, have productive pieces offensively or defensively if you're in foul trouble. I mean, you're a good team with a good coach and a star player that's going to lead you to a top seed in the East. Um, whether it's the top seed or one of the top three is still to be determined. But, I mean, I don't like playing the Bucks. Um, I think they're a team that's a matchup nightmare due to how well Giannis plays. And if Chris Middleton is knocking down threes and Drew Holiday's making an impact on both halves of the court, they're going to be a team that has a chance to win an NBA championship. So... Uh, my view on them before free agency was contender. My view on them now is still contender. Uh, they'll be there when all said and done. It just depends on what round and what matchup and what seed they all get uh, between the Celtics heat and Bucks, and, you know, maybe someone else there in the Eastern conference.
0: Johnny, anything you want to add on uh, those bucks?
1: Hey, I, I think you guys nailed it. Uh, you know, if Chris Middleton's doesn't get hurt, I mean, it's it's an entirely different, you know, postseason. I mean, that's I, – I think you can't underestimate. I know, Tom, yeah. you're, I know. I'm I, to I refuse
0: to use that as an excuse. I, I personally think, and I'm sure Walt would agree with me, I understand what you're saying, Johnny, but I think the Bucks had a shot to win the series without Middleton. And in my opinion, they should have, but they didn't. The Celtics were just a better team. You know, like that. that's the way I look at it. Um, it's it's tough was, when Middleton's yeah. your second best player. I do see what you're saying. If Middleton's healthy, there's a good chance they do win the series, but I mean, there's just so many what if. The
1: scenarios. thing is, the, only, the reason why I do say that, though, also, is if you look at it, you know, well, as, as great as Giannis is, you know, his second best offensive player in that series was Grayson Allen. And, you know, he he only could do it for so long, as long as he's not stepping over or injuring somebody. It's uh, That's. I, I think that's what you're lacking. It's he's grown up
0: now. He's, he he grew up from that, but yeah,
1: uh, not necessarily. I mean that that situation with the Bulls, I think, it would speak volumes to that. But uh, you've seen though, really, not only is it just star players though. It's really you need a second, you need a second and third, third score, a third player. And I just feel like Giannis didn't really
2: have that in the in the when Middleton went down. I mean, yeah. He had, like, a historic postseason and a loss.
1: That That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I mean the a Celtics can also like... had
2: to come back and win in Brooklyn. I mean, not Brooklyn, Milwaukee. Uh-huh. Yeah. I no, agree. I respect it that series. opinion,
0: Johnny. Um, Sean take, says, take it from
2: take it from
1: somebody who doesn't have a star. Like I said, joining. I'm jealous. I'm – we're talking to you guys in Milwaukee. I got a Milwaukee to Boston fan here. I got – Yeah. I got, I, I got hopefully – hopefully um, Barrett <laughs> – could be a star. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. trending that way. But you know, watching him go tear his ACL out, and uh, we're going back in the other direction
0: again. Oh it. no! Don't say that now. I know.
1: I know. Yeah. It's just, well, it's like I'm it's like You know, think about it. Porzingis was supposed to be that guy, and he tears his ACL, and there went that. And then his brother stepped in, and now I'm going off on a tangent. So I'm just, I'm gonna just
0: saying <laughs> they traded Porzingis, and it all went downhill from
1: there. Oh, I remember He's that. It's already going downhill. Yeah, it, it was, but that you just You really, guys, like oh, that's like two years ahead. It wrong. can't even level. It can't even level. It's still going downhill. It's just, it's leveling finally.
0: Well, there's one other name I want to mention, and uh, I want you and Johnny to both answer this. I think the biggest free agent outside of James Harden, because we pretty much all know he's probably going to re sign with Philly, it's just a matter of time Um, DeAndre Ayton is really the biggest name on the market that we're unsure of where he's going to go. Do we think he stays in Phoenix or is he on the move? Cause obviously the Suns were building something there with CP three, with DeBook, book, with Mikhail bridges. What's the situation in the Valley with Deandre Ayton?
2: I mean, if I'm after what happened in game seven against the Warriors playing 17 minutes and kind of having a little bit of a riff with the head coach, I think it'd be best if Phoenix moved on. Um, obviously, when you look at the roster right now with guys like Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, I'd rather pay them than uh, Aiton, especially if Aiton's going to play 17 minutes in the biggest game of the season. Um, Aiden's biggest issue is a lot of the teams that could have gone after him went a different direction. I mean, Portland, team that had a lot of financial flexibility before free agency and a star player, you know, they used that to sign uh, Anfernee Simons, trade for Jeremy Grant, and then sign Joseph Nurkic. So they're not an option anymore. You know, obviously, if Chet Holmgren went number one in the draft, there'd be a opening in Oklahoma City. They ended up taking him number two overall. They now don't need a center. Um, what was the other team? Uh, there was another team I had in my example. The, I don't think he goes back to Phoenix. I think where he should go is Charlotte, because they can't re-sign Bridges. They actually, they can't re-sign two of their guys due to legal problems. Because Bridges just got, or uh, what? I don't even know what's going on with him. Yeah. I just know he can't sign with the team. And then Harold. They're starting center, he's in a legal issue because he had he has a marijuana charge. In from from I don't know where he is. Whatever happened, I just know he has a charge. Why not pair him up with the mellow ball? Where else is he going to go? He's not going to any team in the Atlantic. You know the Knicks I thought could have been an option, but they spent their money elsewhere. Toronto. That actually wouldn't. That be could be a team. landing spot. Um, Detroit, after the draft, won't. And he's got Drummond. Oh, no, not Drummond. You know, no, the Bulls just got Drummond. I, so I didn't think the the Bulls were going to go after him anyways after signing. Pacers, maybe, but they still have – oh, it would be a sign-in trade. That could work with uh, their big man, Turner. Yeah, I mean, I just – there's just his, his – Mar- oh, San Antonio was the other one. Pair him with uh, Deontay Murray, and now Deontay Murray's gone. So why would they spend hundred million dollars on a center? That was what the about the Nets? Looking for not they can't until they move. After
0: election. the KD trade goes, they could potentially make a run.
2: In a sign in trade, who do you want if you're signing Simmons for Aiton? I just don't see everything it. I think, it, I, right I think it
0: would be a stretch, but I don't necessarily think it's out of the Dallas. park. Dallas.
2: Not a good sign-in team trade, but they need no. him.
0: Yeah. I, I think Toronto could be possible.
2: It's not it's just, many. You, there, there is this, the, the teams that could have gone after him, are three of his main teams, I think, are out, obviously. Um.
0: <laughs> no sign and trade to the Nets for Durant.
2: No, God no! That's not so, enough. No. That's they, you'd have to give me Bridges. You'd have to give me Johnson. You'd have to give me yeah. this Durant trade going to thin out a roster.
0: I like the Charlotte prediction though. I could definitely see that. Johnny, I think everything's happening in the Carolinas lately. So why not?
1: <laughs> yeah, why not? Right? I, I, it does make sense for Charlotte there, but it's not as many. It's not as many though as, as you think. I with him. It's, mm-hmm. And I, yeah, the situation with him in Phoenix. I mean, it almost would make sense for him to go back there, but after that, and I think Alex said, great with you know who they should be focusing on. Yeah, the the list is is few and far between for uh, DeAndre. It could almost be a situation where you almost have to wait, you know, closer to the season, and you know if other stuff happens or there are injuries or anything, then. Maybe that's where he finds a spot, but it's uh, – Do
2: you it's, imagine if a $25 million free agent had to wait till an injury? What about Sacramento? Utah? They just lost Gobert.
1: Yeah.
0: That would help them keep Mitchell maybe. I don't know. Sean says, well, of course there's other pieces, but that's where I can see Aiton ending up if Durant is traded to the Suns.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, I, that trade would have to be centered around him.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, I mean, I it makes sense for Brooklyn because you're you're adding a, bi- a center. They don't. I don't think they have one right now. Mm-hmm. Um, after losing Drummond, it's it's a it's just there's so many uncertainties with Eaton because if he was going to the Suns, he'd already assigned. I think the Suns are using him to get the piece to win.
0: Right. Yeah. That's that's what I think is happening as well. Are there any other names out there that intrigue either of you guys that are still on the market? I, gotta get I mean up. Colin Sexton, but I I really
2: no, yeah.
0: Carmelo is out there. <laughs> that's nothing. Montres Harrell. Did he sign somewhere? No, Mantras? he's
2: he's in he's in legal trouble.
0: That's right. So outside of Harden, Aiton, Colin Sexton, Colin Sexton is probably the biggest name after Aiton. Three-team trade, Utah Nets, Suns, Mitchell to the Nets, KD to the... Uh, that's just insane. I, I would... Sean, I would probably hit the jackpot before that happening. <laughs> I don't know if I see that happening, but...
1: I mean, I could see a three-team trade maybe with Durant, though. That's... You know, we're going back to talking about him for a second there. That that could be something that has to be in the works for a trade for that to happen.
0: Right. We'll have to wait and see, right? There's only a matter of time before these guys make decisions where these organizations try to put their pieces into play for the 2022 season. Um, Walt, I'll throw it to you here. Anything uh, you want to add here before we... uh, let you go. And of course we want you to plug uh, down the block sports where people can find that.
2: Uh, you can find down the block sports. It's a YouTube only channel. Um, so if you'd search YouTube, find down the block sports, uh, please give me a subscribe. I'm about 90 away from a thousand. So am going to start to kick things back into gear. I did a video today on Baker Mayfield going to the Panthers. So, you know, I'm going to be providing just a bunch of different sports content, uh, things going on. I of course was in Cape Cod during NBA free agency. So, um, good, good timing with that one, but if you want to <laughs> check it out down the block sports, is on YouTube only. Um, that's where you can find all of my content. My final take, uh, I think the Celtics have everything except for one thing. And that is a reserve center, um, with Robert Williams injured. And, you know, I don't know what his status is going to be, how healthy his knee will be at the beginning of the season. They need more than just Al Horford and Luke Cornett. Um, when you lo- saw that series against the bucks, your big men abused the Celtics. They were getting offensive rebounds all series. Um, they were, beating him up in the paint, you know, obviously the injury to have Robert Williams affected, you know, he's a good shot blocker. He's not the most physical rebounder in my opinion. Uh, But that's really the last thing I think the Celtics need is depth at the center position. They have the guards, they have the wings. They just need that option in case something happens with Robert Williams. And now Horford, of course, is going to be 37 years old. So uh, the East is getting better. Uh, The Celtics are a stronger team than they were last year. So I'm looking forward to a hell of a season. Of course, I have to wait. Five or so more months, so I get basketball again. Or actually, four now. Yeah, because we're in July. So we're in July,
0: so yeah, yeah. It's really more like three, isn't it like
2: three the beginning seasons. of November ish?
1: I think I think the preseason's in October, like early October, and then I think the nah, regular season starts up.
2: That's that's all football.
1: <laughs> tell know, me when it's...
2: the tell me when it's tip off for the Celtics in the regular season. Then you got me.
1: I think it's like it's usually around like late October that it starts up. It's not that far away.
2: Yeah, so it'll be about three, three and a half, four months, something like that. So Yeah, and you know there what I like? Fun. I'm looking forward to it.
1: You see, what threw a lot of people off this year also was that the NBA Finals happened before the Stanley Cup Finals. It's usually the, They usually are, are right neck and neck, but uh, yeah. the NBA happened before, before hockey, so that's, that's probably what threw people off. But um, no, the NBA should be – it'll be here before you know it. I mean, it's – almost become like a year i mean once we get through this free agency frenzy which you know is starting to wind down you get a little bit of a break and then, then camp start back up and then before you know it we're we're there already
2: yeah
0: absolutely well Walt, i appreciate thank,
2: you guys having me thank absolutely. you so Walt.
0: much for hopping on and we will have to talk to you again very soon about your boston celtics take care well Walt.
2: sounds good man let yeah. me know whenever you need me
0: absolutely thanks, thanks all good one That was Alec Walt from down-the-block sports, native Boston fan of all sports, Patriots, Bruins, Celtics, Red Sox, you name it. Johnny, it's time to transition into America's pastime. And I'm looking at the scoreboard right now, and you you know what, Johnny? I'm fed up. I am absolutely fed up with this team, the New York Mets. They sit here at 50 and 31. And this is the rubber game against the Cincinnati Reds, and they're trailing three to one. If I'm not mistaken, the Reds have one of the worst records in baseball.
1: Yeah, and they the were Nets, yeah they were on pace to almost have an historic losing season.
0: Didn't they start three and seventeen? Something I, it was like worse that.
1: than that, and it was like three and twenty something, and then they had to rattle off some rally just to even get to where they are right now
0: so david peterson's on the mound tonight he's gone three innings he's given up three runs four hits he has six strikeouts but he's given up a home run and has two walks again the mets are still without jacob degrom they're without tyler mcgill scherzer's back great but bassett and carrasco have not been great the last few starts era's both over four right now and then taiwan walker has been good but he gets hit hard he's not a big strikeout guy so um, before I rip into the mess, I do want to congratulate Buck Walter though, on his 1600th career win as an MLB manager on over the weekend. That is well deserved. But. Last night, the Reds win one, nothing bases loaded, nobody out bottom of the ninth. Seth Lugo. Gives up the. The run that would win the Reds the game, but you can't really blame Seth Lugo too much. You have to blame the Mets bats. Max Scherzer gives you a gem of an outing in his return from injury after missing seven weeks. Johnny, six innings pitched, no runs, two hits, eleven strikeouts on seventy-nine pitches, and yeah. the Mets can't do nothing. Lindor, so
1: Scherzer, so Scherzer got the ground then, pretty much. That's that's pretty what we're much here, right?
0: Lindor and Alonzo, a combined 0 for 8 last night, Johnny.
1: Yeah, well, and you notice that Pete's home run uh, seems to be slacking the home runs. Lindor's been great. Look, here's what I would say about the Mets right now. I mean, yeah, they're going through a little bit of a struggle. I don't think it was realistic to see to to have them as well as they were playing before to keep that up. But if you would have said, as we're sitting here at the halfway point, if you would have told me before the year they were going to be 19 games over 500, I'd say you sign up for that. And there's a couple of things to this. And, yeah, the 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 Mets, the pitching rotation is going through a little bit of a slide right now. Yes, the offense is going through a slide. I mean, Tom, I know you brought up a very interesting stat that you can share in just a moment here. The, but I don't know if I would even characterize this more on what the Mets are doing versus what the Braves are doing. And to me – I think what the Braves are doing is remarkable. And I said before the season, and I still maintain this, the Braves are going to win the NL East. But to me, this is a different Mets team than years past. And while I don't think they're going to win the NL East, I think they're going to be up there for a wild card at the end of the season. And it's to me, it's different this year because you've got a capable, legitimate manager for the first time in years in Buck Showalter. You've got an owner that's not hesitant to spend and take and do whatever it takes to improve this team. And let's be honest, the Mets by the August second trade line, they're going to this. The, the, the team's going to look different. They're going to get another bat in here. They're going to get another probably relief pitcher in here. So, as much as the disappointment and the struggles they're going through right now, I still think they're going to be all right in the situation and I think this you know, it, I think it's not that the Mets are struggling I think it's more that the Braves are really that good cuz look at what they're doing also without the likes of Ozzy Albies at second for a while uh Matt Olson who's having kind of a down start you know they brought they Acuña came back from that injury and he's been red hot you know Austin Riley's been great at third they're still being able to get this done so yeah it's a bit of a struggle here with the Mets but I think they're going to be all right. And I know, Tom, you're you you are t- taking a little bit of a different approach here with this. But uh, I, I think at the end, I think the Mets are going to be all right. I think they're going to get another couple of players in here. And I think they're still going to be up there for a wild card spot. There's definitely so, some concerns, so- though. I mean, they're, the offense is struggling. There's no doubt about it. The pitching staff, I mean, if your rotation is going to struggle like this, then that is going to be a concern.
0: And you bring up a lot of. Valid points that I do agree with. Um, however, I, I think the one stat that I wanted to bring up is that over the past 30 days, the Mets have scored the fewest runs in the National League. The fewest runs. You know, And you know who scored the most? The Atlanta Braves, which is why I agree and disagree, Johnny. I think it's a combination of both. I think it's the Braves coming on hot and the Mets' bats are falling off because right now, Everybody's healthy as far as the core Mets bats. There's not a single positional player outside of Travis Jankowski that's injured. I mean, you have Jeff McNeil. You have Lindor, who's been atrocious the past month. Um, he's five for his last 25. Pete Alonzo, Mark Canha, Eduardo Escobar, Starling Marte, J.D. Davis. The DH position is a real liability. The catching position, James McCann is back now real liability you can't score a run against the Cincinnati Reds that's a that's a big problem that's a big big problem now I know Jacob DeGrom he's on a rehab assignment he's on track to return at the end of the month which is great Jankowski played a game with AAA on Monday night that's great but you're struggling against the Cincinnati Reds the fact that you have to rely on oh if Jacob DeGrom comes back the Mets have a shot to hold this divisional lead. That's not good.
1: Yeah. I also don't think that Jacob deGrom is, you know, look, he, the guy hasn't been on a major league mound now in over a year. I, I don't really know. And this is not a knock. I don't really know if he's really the answer right now, because I, I think the offense, they need to get a power bat. Now I not I don't want to say the Mets want to be too home run happy here, but they have the worst production out of the DH spot this year, and that's a little bit of a concern. You know, whether it's Dom Smith or JD Davis, there they need they do need to get another power guy in here. Now, who that is, I mean, that's going to be up in the air. But that would be a direction that I would go at because the Mets do have a good a lot of contact guys, but there's there's they're lacking that power situation. Yeah. That's that would be a direction I would go at. I think they definitely need to get another reliever in here because. You know, the, the back end of this bullpen still getting to Edwin Diaz is a concern. Now, Trevor Mays working his way back. Before he got hurt, he was struggling. Uh, so I would look maybe at another reliever at this point. But I also think that this is just a little bit of a, a, a mini slide here with the Mets, too.
0: Yeah, I, I do think it's part of it. And I, I think it's concerning, though, because if you lose this series to the Reds, which right now they're trailing 3-2, to two, then you got to play the red-hot Marlins. This weekend, starting tomorrow from Sunday, you have four games against the Marlins who are on pace to potentially win seven in a row tonight as they're down three to one right now. But if they do win tonight, they'll have one seven straight and they're lurking around 500. And then you get the Atlanta Braves next week. Speaking of the Atlanta Braves, our Atlanta Braves fan, Noah Dibler, in the comments section. Uh, Last thing, the Mets. I don't love these comments, but I'm going to pin them anyway because I love Noah. He's a big supporter of the (laughs) show and the brand. Mets going for an impressive series win versus the Reds. Love the sarcasm. Four-game series against the Red Hot Marlins could be more interesting than people would have thought two weeks ago. Yeah. Strider and Harris are both rookies and among the NL lead for rookie war for pitchers and position players, respectively. This team is good and isn't going away. Uh, yeah, Strider yeah. has been outstanding. Yeah. He might be pushing Ian Anderson for a, ro- a rotation spot when the starting five is back and healthy. When Soroka is back, I mean, Kyle Wright has been solid. Um, you also have curveball Charlie Morton in there as well. And then you have Max Freed. So that's a solid five-man, potentially six rotation. I don't know what they're going to do between Strider and Anderson when the time comes, but they're going to get Soroka and Albies back around the same time in mid-August. So that's going to be very, very interesting. And Noah brings up another comment. Someone needs to trade for Josh Bell. Absolutely. Well,
1: I, th- I And Tom brought up an interesting name, too, also from the from the Nationals, and that's uh, Nelson Cruz. The Nationals are terrible. I mean, that that they are going to have some sort of fire sale by the deadline here. And Josh Bell could be an option. Nelson Cruz is going to be available. I mean, that they are all over the place. I mean, when they continue to talk about Juan Soto getting the extension, I mean, that, that just goes to show you that the Nationals here are going, are going to be uh, completely uh, fire sailing by the deadline. For sure. Absolutely.
0: That's a great point to bring up. But I do think there is hope that the Mets will be a playoff team this year, one of the top six teams in the National League right now. They are number two. They were number one for quite some time, but now the Dodgers have overtaken that spot. I don't think this is a concern for Mets fans to think we're not going to make the playoffs. I think it's a concern for Mets fans to think that we're not going to win this division. That's um, yeah. and and I- and I- fair.
1: But let me ask you, Tom, for you being the Mets fan, doesn't it feel a little different though with Show Walter being the manager and yes. with Cohen?
0: We're not going to lose games off of poor management decisions like we did last year.
1: And I do like some of the things one thing that Buck's done that's been interesting and I kinda like it is he's put Edwin Diaz in the eighth inning in some of these games. Yep. Uh not to close the game out, but to face the heart of the lineup, almost like in a safe situation in the eighth inning versus the ninth inning. And I kind of like that going a little different kind of mentality, but yeah, I, I have confidence the Mets are going to be a playoff team simply for the fact with show Walter and, and this offense will turn things around. I, I, I think that they're too yeah. talented. They're, they're very capable in almost every position At least getting on base. I mean, they've got eight hits so far in the first four innings, but they are maybe lacking that power guy and, as much as I don't like the home run ball, home runs do help win you games in certain moments. So there will be a guy out there, and I think you will see the Mets make a move for somebody by August 2nd for sure.
0: Right. And I, I hope you're getting eight hits against a guy named Graham Ashcraft, but, uh, you know, that's a story for another day. They're down 3-2 to two right now, but hopefully the Mets can pull this out. And uh, well, out Peterson just
1: put the first two on at the bottom of the fourth.
0: Yeah, oh. Peterson's been a, a problem. He had a good year in the shortened COVID season in twenty twenty. He was the second best pitcher outside of the Grom in that season. But yeah. again, remember that was a small sample size. Now that you know he's having to fill in and be that number four, number five guy, and that's another thing too. Trevor Williams still has to start for us right now, since we're without both McGill and the Grom, and that just pains me to watch him start because that's basically a bullpen game. You know, every time he's going to go four or five innings max. And then yeah. the bullpen's going to come in, and you're likely going to lose that start unless you're playing a bad team and the offense bails you out. That the, see, These are the concerns I have with this baseball team right now, but I'm hopeful the Mets can get 90 wins or more this year. I mean, 50 wins right now, and we're halfway there. Yeah.
1: and it does speak to what you were saying about Carrasco and uh, Taiwan Walker and Chris Bassett, you know, if you're going to be going through this rotation with Peterson and Trevor Williams, 40% of the time, then you're going to need those other three to be guaranteed. And right now, I mean, I know Scherzer just came back, but you know, it's going to put an incredible amount of pressure on Bassett and Carrasco and Walker. And if you're going to slump through that way too, and it'd be a team wide slump, that's where you may run to a little bit of concern as well.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um... Hopefully the Mets can pull this out and win the NL East. Max Scherzer returning last night, which was definitely a great and much-needed thing for this baseball team. But moving on to the other side of town, the New York Yankees, 58-23, currently playing the Pittsburgh Pirates, Johnny. Coming off a loss last night, Pirates won 5-2. to two. Um Vogelbach had a home run. Jack Sawinski had a two-run bomb. Aaron Judge did drive in his 60th RBI of the season, but Jamison Tyon did not have his best start, only going five and a third.
1: Yeah, a rare rare off night for Tyon. It was his first loss since April. But not, not a lot to really complain about with the Yanks unless, you know, you continue to bring up the names Aaron Hicks and Joey Gallo. The thing I would notice, if you look carefully here with the Yanks recently, is and this was something I talked about before the season started and was going to be my main concern is the offense, because this offense, the way they, the roster is constructed is going to be completely hit or miss. And lately they've been more of a miss. So that, that is something that does concern me a little bit. You see now Aaron judge, since we've talked about the arbitration and the extension that he's gone into a bit of an offensive slump, but when you look at, it, I mean, for the most part here, one of the, one of the things that's actually benefited, many, many things that have benefited the Yanks, you know, their, their pitching's been outstanding, whether it's been the rotation or the bullpen. Their lineup and the ability that they could slide 10 guys into nine spots, and what I mean by that is you can rotate the DH, and Aaron Boone's been doing that all season. You know, they've been putting Aaron Judge at DH, they've been putting Stanton there, they've put Donaldson there, they've been putting Rizzo there. Even Lemayhu, they've been able to switch some guys around. Like lemayhu has been able to play multiple positions. Judge has gone from right to center. So they've had some ability to uh, adjust this lineup, and that's part of the reason they've been actually to be able to stay healthy for the most part, and that's what's contributed to the success. But this offense, to me, still, you know, they are, they rely too much on the home run ball. They're They're going to be really hit or miss. The difference, I think, this year, though, Tom, is their pitching has been great. You know, Tyon. Like I said, you know, yesterday was his first loss since April. Uh, Garrett Cole, obviously, back to ace form. Nestor Cortez has been tremendous. Uh, You know, Jordan Montgomery for the most. You know, his win loss record may not show it, but he's pitched great. He just hasn't really gotten the run support. And Luis Severino's coming back off the Tommy John. He's been great. The guy that I would watch in this rotation, though, going forward, Tom, is going to be Nestor Cortez because now he's going to start entering an area that he is not familiar with, and that is he's on track to make 30 starts this year, plus, 30-plus starts, and he's never done that before. So he's already at some sort of uncharted territory with all the starts that he's made this year, and I think you've seen it in a couple of his starts where he's not gone deep that, you know, they've been taking him out uh, less than five innings, and – it might be He might be coming back to reality a little bit. But other than that, I mean, for the bullpen, for the amount of hits that the Yanks have taken to this bullpen, the bullpen's been tremendous. You know, Michael King stepped up in a big way. Clay Holmes has challenged his inner Mariano Rivera, which is unbelievable. Uh, you know, it's it's quite an amazing ride. The, the thing, though, now you run into is they're on pace for such a historic year. This year feels like World Series are busted for them.
0: It does. And my concern with the Yankees is it's not winning their division. It's getting past the ALCS. Right. And I think that's a good concern to have. But when you're the Yankees, you're right. It is World Series or bust or bust. So I think the addition of Matt Carpenter has turned out nicer than some may have thought. Originally, he's been a good fill in player. And I do think Hicks and Gallo are the two liabilities in your lineup, at least batting wise. Other than that. I love what Jose Trevino has done at the catcher position. Uh, DJ LeMayhew, one of the best contact hitters in the league. Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, has finally been healthy for a whole season. And this team's going to be the first team to 60 wins, most likely. So, you know, I'd be very proud of where you guys are at right now. Heading into the year, there was a little bit of... Uncertainty how the season was going to go. I feel like Yankee fans, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, weren't expecting a whole lot. A lot of people thought, you know, Toronto, maybe Boston would be roaming towards the top, and now it's the Yankees, Boston, Tampa, and Toronto all playing well. So yeah. it's kind of gotten to a point where the Yankees are in a similar boat as the Mets. They have a dominant division. But the difference is they're creating distance. Boston went on – what was it? Didn't they win, like, double-digit games in a row And the Yankees still, like, held their ground and held their Boston own. Yeah. only gained, like, a, gain or a game or two on them?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I – the way that Toronto happened this offseason and one of the things also, too, was – and this was before all the changes – to me, Toronto entered the season with the best home field advantage in baseball. Now, obviously, those yeah. rules changed, but you've had that. You know, Tampa always gives the Yanks fits. The Red Sox were still a very good, uh, were still a good team. And also, let's be fair too: the Baltimore Orioles are not a, put, a, a rollover anymore. I mean, you've seen they've been competitive. You know, they gave the Yankees fits at the start of the season. They they did in a series before. You look at what they, they did against Texas. How they won a game recently. You know the Orioles are not gonna if they're gonna lose a they're not gonna lose a hundred games this year so they're they're not a a push me over at all so you know and then you look at the Astros who've been playing great so it's great that the Yanks got off to this great start and like I said the the other thing too that I was concerned about entering the season was this roster and actually the way the roster was constructed is actually benefiting them because they're actually able to keep guys fresher more often and that's why you've only had. A minor IL stint for Donaldson and for John Carlos Stanton halfway through the season. As I knock on my table here, and hopefully they could keep it this way. But you know, just like the Mets, this will not be the same Yankees. This will not be the same roster at the deadline. They're going to make a push for an outfielder here. I, the guy that I that I think is a is a great fit for the Yanks is Andrew Benintendi from Kansas City. I, I think he I think he's a perfect guy for them. You know, he can play left. And maybe you shift some other guys over because I think what you want to do going forward also is I think as great as Judge has played the center field, I think you want to shift him back over to right. And if you don't get a Ben Benintendi who's a lefty guy, the other guy I would target would be Ramon Laureano from Oakland. Uh, you know, he can play a, a, a stud center field and then I can move Judge back over. So I'm not going to go as crazy on Hicks and Gallo because they are 35 games over 500, but – yeah, I mean, if you're talking about a postseason game and it's close late and those guys are coming up, that might be a spot where you do get a little bit of concern. But you're, you can't have an all-star and a guy producing one through nine in this lineup. I mean, they tried doing that in 2007, and they still couldn't get out of the first round against the Tigers. So I think the only difference with them this year is also they they're pitching. They are pretty deep in the rotation, and that's something you haven't been able to say in years past.
0: I would potentially look at Brian Reynolds, too, from Pittsburgh. You know, young guy. He's not – his average isn't as good as it was last year. But he's, he's a guy I don't think is out of the bubble
1: either. You, do you know? Think this, do you think the Pirates want to make another trade with the Yankees? I don't think so. <laughs> <it is. laughs> just, just think about that for a second. It's amazing how many <laughs> trades the two teams have made with each other. I mean, look at the, gotcha. the Yankees got with, with Tyon and Clay Holmes, how they – been able to work and get those two deals out right i mean clay holmes like i mean i know he pitched pretty well with pittsburgh but i mean this was this is what he's doing right now i mean you having him and mariano rivera in the same sentence it was that scary how well he was pitching
0: yeah and he's only this is his first year with the yankees right or his first year as the closer officially for the yankees because i I think they should keep him there
1: I, i totally agree i mean the fact that boone was talking about chapman going back into that and maybe using uh Holmes in high-leverage situations I think was absolutely silly. I mean, you've seen Chapman's come back, and he's still, like, got erratic throwing. I mean, you've got to keep Holmes as the closer. That's for sure. Look, I like Brian Reynolds. I think that's a nice fit for the Yanks. I just think it would be quite funny if the Yanks and the Pirates make another (laughs) trick. (laughs) there would be something. But things
0: happen in threes. (laughs) Yeah, I could see it 100%. And I do think that – The Yankees' biggest uh, challenge will be Houston come the American League playoffs. And I do think there's an outside shot of Toronto picking up some steam. Despite the injury of Hinjin Ryu, I do think there's a chance that they could surprise some people because of their youth with Vlad Guerrero, um, Bo Bichette, and the experienced veterans they do have on their roster like George Springer. Uh, you know, so I, I do think there is potential for Toronto to make some noise late. But, Johnny, anything you want to add here before we sign off tonight and sign off for the summer?
1: The summer, yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, I, I think, you know, what's going to be fascinating, Tom, is as we head to the August state of trade deadline in baseball is there are going to be a lot of teams looking for pitching. And, you know, whether it's starters or, bull, or bullpen pieces, and we're just going to see that throughout baseball. And even though the Yanks are 35 games over 500, and you feel comfortable. They are still going to be. You're going to still be watching them throughout because you, you're going to you're going to see what you're going to need to make a move here by August. You know, it's not like you have the regular, normal July 31st deadline and you get the August waiver in line. You don't have that anymore. Uh, so I'm going to be curious to see what happens with them. The Mets are going to be relevant throughout. I think we're going to have a you know a very relevant New York baseball summer as we head towards a, what I would say would be relevant New York football season. And then heading into the fall, you're going to have a relevant New York basketball season and a relevant hockey team with the New York Rangers. So New York sports, uh, the, the future of the New York sports, the, the current state of New York sports as well is great. And it's going to be a lot of fun for all of us here going forward.
0: Absolutely. And Johnny, I couldn't thank you enough for coming on here tonight before we sign off. Where can people check out your podcast, Game On?
1: So Game On, we are on Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on the Empty the Bench podcast network. You can either search uh, YouTube and uh, ETB network or we're also on Facebook and Twitter as well. Also on Twitter at Game On ETB. And uh, on Game On, we look back at games past, look ahead at the games coming up. We talk about all the latest sports news and Even in this time in early July when we thought things were going to quiet down, they have not. I mean, we have had so much to talk about in our first 16 shows, and it doesn't look like it's going to get any quieter as we head through the middle part of this baseball season, and now we start looking ahead to football. I mean, we even got college football coming up real soon, which, you know, I've always been big into. You know, Tom and I agree on this. Go Irish. We're looking forward to that. And, you know, not only is college football coming up, but also the talk about the uh, conference realignments, which is just absolutely crazy. So, you know, no shortage of sports topics there to discuss. I mean, we've even spoken about golf, horse racing. I mean, you name it, we talk about it. It's it's that great of a show. It's, that's Game On Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube.
0: And with your co-host, our very own Hank and Hank Dictor.
1: Yep, absolutely. And, uh, Hank and Hank, Hank's been great since day one. And, you know, I've never spoken about so, about the Rangers so much as I had this these last couple of months. And it's been great. And I'm looking forward to talking about them again when they start up again in October.
0: Absolutely. Folks, on behalf of Johnny Montalbano, I'm Tom Scavetta saying so long. Have a great month, everyone. We're going to be back in August. But until then... Thank you all very much. This has been Review and Preview here on Facebook Live and YouTube. Have a good night, everybody.